Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. I trust you've had a good week. Many of you probably spent time with family. I'm sorry. uh, We did the the Lone DeGarmo Thanksgiving for the first time, I think, ever. Cindy was talking to some folks, and she said this was the first time she did the whole meal herself. Usually, you know, if we go to family, granny's cooking the turkey or whatever, and we might bring a side or something, but Cindy did the whole meal. She made me fry the turkey, though. We deep fried it this year, but I did have to do that part. So she can't even take credit for the whole meal. I'm going to have to bring that. Maybe I won't bring that up. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, This lesson builds on some of the stuff that we've looked at uh, in this previous lesson. Um, And I think, hopefully, I conveyed the thought that that God wants to do an inward change in our lives. And so today we're we're going to be talking about expressing the life of Christ. At some point, that inward change will express itself or manifest itself to those visibly. And so that's kind of the idea or the thought that we'll go with, uh, or that we're going with today, is God desires us to be outwardly different. He wants us to be transformed even outwardly. Uh, in our society, everybody, or maybe in our churches, sometimes we want to talk, focus too much on the inward change, uh, that, hey, nobody can judge anything because as long as God's working on the inside, then we're okay. But the reality is, uh, there are some biblical principles and there are some things that will cause us to look differently, especially in a society today where sin abounds. We will stand very contrastingly different to that. And so God wants the inward change to take place, that relationship with Christ, to eventually transform us outwardly in a way that the world can see. He says that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We ought to look different. Pastor preaching Acts the other night, about how they saw these men, they were ignorant and unlearned, but they took note because they had been with Christ. Their relationship with Christ changed them, and it was noticeable by others. And so our relationship with Christ will, we've talked about bearing fruit in those things, but it will be expressed outwardly. Should, people should be able to tell that we're different. Uh, listen, a, a mature believer ought to desire to become like Christ. And you'll accept what that means. It really is a mission, and it will take effort to outwardly align your life with God's standard in His Word uh, to be more like Christ. And hopefully that will make sense as we we progress here. But let's read um, Ephesians 4. We'll begin picking up reading in verse 17. And uh, we'll reverse down through 27, maybe the end of the chapter. Uh, Well, let's just read to the end of the chapter, verse 32. But... We'll begin reading in verse 17. It says this, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. <clears throat> Excuse me. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is, cor- which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, 
and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt uh, communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Verse uh, 32 there, as I was meditating on some of these things, I thought that is where we want to be. Sometimes we deal with all of these other things, uh, you know, the, the manifestation of the flesh and bitterness, and, and sometimes we feel like we get a hold of that, and maybe we get self-righteous. Boy, I'm doing pretty good, but, and I, I know I've been a part of churches at times that it seemed like people were very judgmental of others. Boy, they should be at a better level or whatever. But verse 32, I think really when you have gotten a hold of these things and you really have are walking with the Lord and you're a mature Christian, verse 32 will be permeating your life. And all I can think of is our Savior on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Up until the point of his death, he loved and cared for and was forgiving of those people that killed him. And how often that's not our attitude toward others when they struggle and have difficult things. Lord, help us. Uh, Anyway, that's a side note. But athletes from around the world really constantly are preparing for one of the most prestigious competitions. We know it as the Olympics. Uh, I mean, literally, athletes from almost every country, from every corner of the globe, are always preparing to compete. Let's pray. Sorry. Let me, I'll come back to the illustration in a moment. I forgot to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. I Pray, Lord, that you would just bless. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that you would be preeminent in everything. Lord, that you would fill with your spirit and that you would guide the message, the lesson this morning. Bless those other classes that are taking place today. We pray that you would be with the teachers, fill them with your spirit. Pray that students would be attentive. And Lord, that you would give us something from your word today that would draw us near to Christ. Father, now we pray for your blessing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, back to the illustration, the, the Olympians, right? They're competing and what do they do? If they want their dream to become reality, they adjust their lifestyle. There's some things that they change. Uh, they might put off some of their old habits. Maybe they had a poor diet, like me. Um, you know, they change the way that they eat. They begin eating for the purpose of fueling their body rather than just maybe pleasure. Um, they maybe change the clothes that they wear because the clothes that they had restricted their ability to perform in, in a certain way. And, um, <clears throat> or maybe they give up the low-impact workouts and start working out hard. Boy, I can't uh, do sit and be fit and compete in the Olympics. Now, if that's all you can do is sit and be fit, then, then go for it. But, but I think you understand what I'm saying. These people are striving for the masteries. We see that terminology in uh, Corinthians. They're... they're 
subjecting their bodies to a certain level of training or abstinence from certain things that they might master their field. Do we give that much effort to our Christian life? Uh, I, I would say no. Uh, I mean, these athletes, that's the focus of their entire life for most of them. Uh, their life is ordered by uh, the fact that they have a training regime. Uh, and, and in order to be competitive, they have to because the competition is doing the same. Um, they need to discipline themselves to acquire those skills to be successful and to, to take the victory. Um, I would say just as an Olympian that uh, makes daily choices in their behavior, us as Christians ought to make daily choices that would put us in a position to honor God with our lives. Uh, listen, we need to make lifestyle changes. Yes, God will transform us through his word, but part of it is us making changes. And, and we won't go there, but in Proverbs we see we avoid it, we pass not by it. Listen, we make not provision for the flesh. There are things that we don't participate in. There are things that we don't do because it's not good for our relationship with our Savior and our walk with God. Scripture compares the Christian life to a race. First Corinthians, or not first, what, I keep wanting to go to First Corinthians, but I don't think the Lord would have us. But if you have time, read First Corinthians chapter 9. I don't know, maybe we'll get there at some point today. Uh, but that's where the Apostle Paul uses a, a similar analogy. But Hebrews 12.1 tells us this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, look what it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. God has given us a race. And he's saying we need to lay some things aside. Uh, we need to forsake sin, for sure. Uh, but that word there, the, sometimes the weights, we, don't, we have a hard time giving up weights. We don't have a hard time admit, well, we're not going to, any outward sin, yeah, we're, we're not doing that, right? Obviously, some of us probably harbor sin in our hearts, and, you know, and that's not good. You need to forsake that. You need to deal with that. You need to cast it off. You need to lay it aside. But sometimes we carry things in our lives that are preventing us from being all in for Christ. And we're content with that. That's not what an Olympian does. They might train with a weight vest, uh, I used to work out with a guy, and he always had a weight vest on. I think it was 70 pounds, which was more than our kit was usually, even with 210 pounds of ammo. But he'd work out with this thing, and he was an animal. Um, but when he was going to compete, he did triathlons and things like that, he didn't continue to wear that vest because it was weighting him down. Listen, Christian, our race is now... We're not practicing. We're not in training. We're living it. We need to get rid of those weights. We need to cast those things. We need to lay those things aside. Uh, I hate being so transparent, but it, this week I was convicted because I was putting effort into some things, to some hobbies. And I was like, Lord, help me because I don't know if I invest this in the Christian life. I don't know if I invest this much attention and effort into honoring and walking with you. And I was convicted because the amount of time and, and effort, and because sometimes it's not just the amount of time that you're actually doing the activity, you're consuming yourself with preparations and, and learning about it and becoming better. And, and the Lord convicted me. He's like, hey, where's your priorities? 
sometimes it's a weight. It might not be sin, but it's holding you back. In the race that God has for us, we must put on Christ if we are to be winners. Romans 13, 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ to make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Listen, God has a vibrant Christian life for each and every one of us. And he wants us to truly reflect the nature and character of Christ in our daily lives. That's what he wants. The expression of this life of Christ must be generated, and we talked about this a little bit last week, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But it should be seen outwardly. The Holy Spirit is working inward. I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit this week in my life. Uh, and by God's grace, I'll change to be more like Christ because of that. But, but listen, the, outwardly, there will be a difference as, if we're committed to this thing. Uh, just as that athlete makes daily choices in their diet to further their dreams, a faithful Christian will make lifestyle changes from a heart desiring to reflect Jesus Christ more accurately. You need to make some changes, perhaps. And so we must walk a different walk. Verses 17 and 19, or through 19 here, it says this, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness." God intends the behavior of a believer to be radically different than the world, than in our past even. Uh, that may be difficult for somebody that grew up in church, uh, that you don't necessarily have that past to look back on and you walk different, but you can definitely look at the world and say, hey, those other Gentiles are, those other worldly people, boy, I don't need to walk like that. How would God have me walk? We... The more our society in our community gets ungodly, the more we ought to stand out. We're called to be separate. We're called to be, we will be peculiar. And it really doesn't mean that we have to put a lot of effort in looking weird. We just have to put effort into becoming like Christ. And it will happen naturally. It will be outwardly transformed. It will become evident. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable. And so again, it's, as this inward change that we always talk about happens, it will manifest itself outwardly. There will be a difference. But listen, grace and Christian liberty do not give us a license to live in sin. They give us freedom to walk in the light and be transformed by His power. We can find a church that aligns and lets us feel comfortable in what we're doing. They abound, honestly. There's churches out there that will validate unscriptural teaching and validate living in sin. So it's not about going to a church. It's about that relationship with Christ that changes. Now, I believe God's ordained the church and we ought to be in church. And so you need to find a church that's biblically accurate, right? You're welcome. It's here. Um, Not you're welcome from me, uh, but thankfully, the Lord sent a man here to do it and to, to afford us the opportunity to gather here. There's those that have gone well before us. 
But in this passage, Paul describes the sinful condition of the unsaved. He says it's vanity, it's empty. And boy, we can see emptiness abounding in society. There's no substance to anything. It's just vanity. It's the vanity of their mind, and it's embedded in our culture. There are empty philosophies. Uh, listen, we as Christians, we have to be careful that we recognize these. There is unscriptural teachings and philosophies out there and, and thought processes. And we can be overcome by them if we're not careful. And what I would, let me read this to you. Colossians 2, 8, 9. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world. And here's the kicker, and not after Christ. If it's not about Christ, there's a problem. Uh, and it becomes really easy to identify things that are error when it doesn't line up with Christ in the, in the Word of God. Uh, and again, you have to be in the Word of God to understand that. And there have been so many times I hear things and I'm like, it, it's like nails on a chalkboard, like eh, something's not right here. And my mind goes to a scripture passage that says, this is why it's not right. Uh, so you need to be in your Bible. Uh, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. So if it's not about Christ, then, and it will become very easy to identify error, we need to stand guard over our hearts and minds. We're under an assault. There's an attack uh, every day. Uh, the devil uh, is attacking to lead us astray. Uh, and listen, the Apostle Paul said he brought his body in, under subjection lest he might become a castaway. Again, uh, Corinthians 9 is, is uh, worth reading, maybe even this afternoon, uh, as you take it, your ease on a Sunday. <clears throat> Paul describes the world's condition, having the understanding darkened. Listen, uh, those without Christ are spiritually blind, their understanding is darkened concerning the things of God, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God should shine unto them. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Listen, Satan's blinded them. Uh, and our walk is going to look different than theirs. It's just going to be manifested in such a great way uh, because it is different. Listen, many ideologies are prevalent and popular today. But the Bible speaks of them as being vain imaginations. Uh, being followed by those that are darkened and understanding. In verse 18, in our passage here, Paul gives a description that it's uh, without the illuminations of God's Holy Spirit, men's hearts are blinded, they're alienated from an understanding of God. Even the wisest philosophers of this world, Socrates and, and uh, you name them, they're spiritually empty without the truth. Uh, they need the truth, they're blind. The world's nature is depraved. Our lives should contrast the sinful, depraved nature of lost men. Did your life look differently? It says in past feeling there in Ephesians, uh, it speaks of a numbness of the soul uh, that experienced by a person who rejects God. They've rejected Him, and uh, there are some people who have become so involved in wickedness and and the truth is so darkened uh, their life, or so darkened the truth in their life, uh, they have a spiritual numbness. It's almost like a shot of Novocaine to their heart. Uh, they're depraved. Have you ever 
consider the beneficial life-saving aspect of physical pain? We don't like pain. I know I don't. Maybe somebody. You know, I used to work out with a guy. Pain is pleasure. He's just so extreme. I'm like, ugh, calm down. I don't want to hurt myself here. But he was in excellent shape, right? He, he was a master at what he did. Listen, you, typically none of us enjoy pain. Uh, but it alerts us to danger. And spiritually speaking, that's what conviction is in the Holy Spirit. It alerts us to danger. Uh, we're headed down the wrong path. Uh, it, listen, if you get too close to a campfire, you're thankful that you feel the heat and the uncomfortable before your clothes catch fire. That pain or that sensation there is saving you. Pain is really a gift. Uh, and it calls for a response. You know, you, you reach your hand at something. I'll never forget when I was younger, I had a cousin that reached up and put his hand on a red-hot stove. He jerked back, right, limiting the damage to his hand. If you couldn't sense that, uh, so pain is a good thing, but conviction is good for us. Spiritual pain is a gift. It's not comfortable. I've experienced it. But it's a gift. God's trying to get your attention. The Holy Spirit is trying to work. It alerts you to, excuse me, actions or perhaps attitudes that are grievous to our God. You're bringing displeasure. Uh, and it's affecting your, your walk with Him and, and your ability to honor Him. Listen, if a person can no longer sense physical pain, it's a serious physical danger for them. Uh, they could be gravely hurt because they're unaware. I've seen people get their fingers and their digits cut off, right? Going through a table saw, you get the first one or two, they're gone, but their hand jerked away before they ripped their whole hand off on that table saw. What a blessing, right? You think, oh, that's frustrating. Well, the aspect of pain saved them. Listen, the Christian who has ceased to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit is in a critical spiritual danger. Their conscience has been seared, perhaps. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seduces spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Uh, we need spiritual conviction in our lives. When you give yourself over to spiritual wickedness, uh, your life will become defiled. Your conscience is seared, your skin might be seared with a hot or as a skin is seared with a hot iron, so your conscience is. And you lack really an understanding of God's word. But that word here, work, uh, there in our, in our passage where it says they work, uh, it has the idea they take pains to do. Uh, so because of their dark, depraved spiritual nature, there are people who have go to great effort to live defiled. Can you imagine that? People are making efforts to do the wrong. That seems foreign to us, but I submit to you, I know some Christians that do that. People that have claimed Christ, I, I observed their life for years at a time, and perhaps they're, they've departed from the faith, and their conscience is seared now. Uh, I can think of somebody, I won't mention his name, because people may know him or meet him someday, and I want you to be kind to him. Um, They're making efforts to do wrong. How much effort are we making to do right as Christians? 
Are we working at honoring God with our life? Some people work harder at living in sin than Christians work at living for Christ. They're content and happy to carry on, and, and we just are passive, and we don't do anything about it. Listen, you have to be different to, be di- to make a difference. Look at verse 22 and through 24. It says, That you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, listen, God doesn't want us to tread water or barely hold on until Jesus comes. I mentioned earlier, he has a, a, a vibrant, blessed life that he wants us to live. Uh, he wants us to be different, to make a difference where we're at in our communities, uh, in our families, in, in every area of our life, really. Uh, and I believe that truth is really easily taught throughout Scripture. Uh, we see it here. Put on the new man. You're going to be different. Uh, listen, once we've received Christ, the Holy Spirit creates a new disposition with us within us. And that disposition is quite different from the lost men and women that we're around every day. His goal for us is that we would discard our old ways of living and take on the characteristics of Christ. Uh, Get rid of those old things, that we put off the old man. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Listen, God commands us to put off the old man and to put on the new. We need to put on Christ. Here in Ephesians, he tells us that the old desires we have, they're corrupt. They're deceitful lusts. Have you ever thought about deceitful lusts? Those things that you lust after, and they're deceitful. They, they look good. They seem right. They, oh, they're, they're going to make you happy. But when you act upon those things, it brings death. It brings emptiness. It's deceitful. Uh, we need to cast those things off. We are called to express Christ's life and live differently. We all will be tempted. And we all will make a decision at that point. Will you give in? Or will you choose to yield to the Holy Spirit of God? <clears throat> and so really, our mindset, I think, is, is key here. Proverbs 23, 7, For so as he thinketh in his heart, So is he. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves we have the victory. We can live victorious. We can live a spirit-filled life by yielding to the Holy Spirit. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So in contrast to the darkened, blinded minds of the world, God wants to renew and transform our minds by his power. Listen, it's not something we're doing in and of our own selves. God is doing it. He's got the power to do it. And God's word is often his tool that the Holy Spirit will use uh, to guide us in the way that we ought to go in, in living for Him. A different life begins with a different mind, I think. Do you have a mind that thinks on Philippians 4.8 things? Or do you have a mind that thinks on the corrupt, deceitful, lustful things of the world, uh, of our flesh? Uh, we must put on that new man. It's important that you put off the old man, but you really... But in order to make a real difference, you have to put on the new one. In churches, I think we're good at putting off. And we become kind of self-righteous. 
and we have this attitude that we're better than others because we've put off and we're not living like those. We have a very pharisaical attitude. I'm not as this publican. Boy, I'm, I'm doing all the right things, but we haven't put on Christ because that's not, as we looked at a few weeks ago, the mind of Christ and the attitude and the spirit of Christ. Again, he is tenderhearted and forgiving and loving. And so, but we need to put on the new man. We all know that the old man is an inheritance in nature. Adam messed it up for all of us. We can blame it on Eve if we want, but the reality is they both chose. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so we know Adam... Uh, and Eve, they chose the sin, and, and we have uh, a sin nature because of that. And that's why everyone of us needs to be born again of the Spirit of Christ. And once we are, we have the ability to put on the new man. Every one of us needs a new nature. Uh, if you haven't received Christ today, uh, you're condemned already. You need a Savior, uh, and you need to turn to Christ today. But Christians will still battle between the flesh and the spirit every day. Uh, it is a daily reality that the flesh wars against the spirit uh, or our new nature in Christ. Listen, who has children today? We had three beautiful baby boys that grew up to be absolute monsters. <laughs> and it happened, I think, overnight. You know, you bring that thing home from the hospital, and yes, I said thing. Um, you know, you bring those children home from the hospital, and for me at least, it was in very short time you begin to realize this is a lot of work. The joy of having a son and seeing that beautiful baby and all those things. All, this thing cries. This thing makes nasty diapers. Uh, what is going on here? But what I found out very early, and Cindy was more in tune than I was, was they're wicked sinner babies. And they begin crying when they were just fed, they have a clean diaper, you're holding them, what is going on? I don't know, you, you just want to throw the thing. But you don't, Lord's graceful, gave me grace, I never threw any of my boys. We don't have to teach them that. Everybody's born with a sinful nature, and, and we prob all of us that have children this morning could probably tell story after story of how you, you know, you tell them no, and they under you could clearly see because when you have a child that knows right from wrong, you can clearly see at times those moments where they're choosing wrong because they're just a wicked sinner baby. They have a sinful nature, and they're going against God. They're going against their parents. They're going against everything that God ordained, and it's in. It's in them. We don't teach it. I didn't teach my kids those things. They might have learned some bad habits from me, but I never deliberately set out to say, hey, I want you to be an idiot in this area. Or, or It just comes naturally. Listen, as believers, we are commanded to make a daily choice to live differently than our flesh would dictate. Sometimes, just naturally, that's what our flesh wants to do, but we need to make a choice to honor God with all our lives. Uh, we are not to be led by our flesh, but rather by the Spirit of God. Amen. 
I had a brief conversation this morning with somebody and I was talking about some people don't want to be yielded or submissive to God's ordained position, even his holiness and who he is, the creator. They, don't, they refuse to submit themselves to that. We just need to yield. It's for our good. Listen, at salvation, God gave us the power of his Holy Spirit and a new nature that is capable of doing right. We have the ability. God's given us the ability. We must daily choose to put on the new nature and to walk in newness of life. It does take effort. It does take energy. You do have to get up and open your Bible. You do have to get up and get on your knees and pray. You have to put in the work. You're not going to be a spiritual giant if you don't ever do anything spiritual. God changed me. God changed me. Well, he does that little by little bit by bit every day when you submit to him and you put yourself in a position to be in his word, to be under the preaching of God's word, that's when God begins to change you. You can't put yourself in the position that your flesh enjoys, your flesh enjoys, and continually feed yourself. Uh, The old computer saying, garbage in, garbage out, right? That's what you're just going to get. You have to make a choice to walk in newness of life. He's given us the ability. We must yield to God's presence within and allow his life to clearly be seen through us. I would say the Christian life is really all about yielding. Giving in to the leadership of God and the Holy Spirit and his word in our lives and allowing them to take the direction from there. Allowing God to do it. Are you willing to be different? Are you willing to stand out uh, from the crowd by allowing the life of Christ to be seen through you? Don't hide your light. People ought to see the difference in us. Do not be ashamed of Christ. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Living a good, clean, moral life is nothing to be ashamed of. The world would honor that. They just want to say you can do it without God. And so to do that in Christ and to be able to explain to somebody, I am able to do this not because of myself, but because the power that's within me through the Holy Spirit of God and being submissive and obedient to his word is what helps. Be willing to be different and trust by faith that he will use you to make a difference at the same time. There have been so many times where I was just living life, just doing my own thing, not outwardly trying to share the gospel with anybody. And then, you know, it gets quiet at work. It's always, now that I work here, it's quiet every day. But, um, but before in the Air Force, all of a sudden, the ops tempo, the operations tempo, right, when things would kind of slow down, people would start coming into my office. Hey, Sergeant Grandma, you got a minute? Sure. Hey, I noticed you go to church. And I noticed, and so actually somebody saw Cindy the other day that was at, he was at my retirement, and he asked about our church there. And she saw, he saw her, they were somewhere, I think she was on base at the commissary or something, and he said, hey, you guys still go to that? Yeah. Here's an invite card. Please come. Listen, it's not all about being in your face confrontational. If you would live a life that's honoring to our God, people will see a difference in you, and then you can make a difference in their life. If you would just be willing to be used of him. You may attempt to fake the Christian life for a time, but you really need a heart of love that will compel you to walk with Christ faithfully. Do you love the Lord this morning? 
Or are you just doing this because that's what people in our church do? We claim Christ and we say that we read our Bibles, we say that we pray, but do you truly love God? Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. The reality is Christ wants all the external change in our life. All the, he, he expects external change. But he wants all that to be from an inward change and a love for him. It's not about conforming to look right. It's about a relationship with him and loving him and allowing him to change us. You won't be able to fake it forever. Listen, it's not a master of discipline as much as it is a devotion to him. What are you devoting your time to? What are you devoting your efforts to, your energy? What are you devoting your money to? I would ask you this morning to examine those things. And I think it will be an indicator of what's important in your life. Examine where you're investing those things, those areas of your life, and I think you'll realize that God's doing some, or that maybe God wants more of one of those areas. He wants more of your money, I know that for sure. No laughs. So. Deuteronomy 6.5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Do you love him this morning? There's no greater motivation or change agent in the Christian life than the love of Christ. A right relationship with Christ will give you victory over the mental and spiritual darkness of this world. And you will be different. I'll close with an illustration. I know this is the second week I've went after the bell, but other teachers do it. They just aren't as obvious as me. So, um, <clears throat> During World War II, there was a pastor in England. And uh, he would go about in the cities that were bombed, or in his particular city, I guess you would say. I don't know what city it was, but the whole place had been ravaged by bombs. Just rubble and, and, and just destruction everywhere. And often he would notice that these store owners would clear away some of the rubbish. And then they would put up a sign, business as usual. And he thought about, that's not what God wants in our lives. Do not allow your life to be business as usual. Listen, if we're not careful in our Christian lives, we get lazy, we get apathetic, and we don't put in the effort. We don't bring our bodies into subjection. We don't put ourselves in a place to make not provision for our flesh. He said, don't, don't be as busy as usual. Start advertising that your life is under new management. Listen, like I said, it might just be a mindset change. It's not business as usual. Who's in control of your life? Is God in control of your life? Is he managing your affairs? Is he the Lord of your life? Let Christ express his life through you today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I thank you for the patience of the people this morning. And I just ask that you would, Lord, change us to be more like Christ. I pray that we would put ourselves in a position to hear from you and to be changed. And Lord, I pray that you would just bind us together, that we could go forth, Lord, together in unity for the cause of Christ. And we pray now as we go to the morning service, we ask that you would meet with us.